0: Are you ready to step into a world where images come to life and two dimensions are not enough to discover the secrets of 3D imaging and how it's transforming the way we see the world? If you are, join us in episode 2309 as we explore the mesmerizing world of 3D photography and its application in various fields, from entertainment to science when your hosts, Bill and Sean Johnston, the CG Bros, will be answering the commonly asked question, what is 3D photography? On the CG Bros, CG Insider Podcast.
1: Hello and welcome to the CG Insider Podcast. If you're a returning fan, it's really great to see you again. If you're new to our podcast, a special welcome to you. In today's episode of the CG Insider Podcast, Sean and I will be providing an answer to another great Question submitted to our Ask Us Anything page at thecgbros.com, this time by Victoria F. from Miami Beach, Florida, and Victoria asks the bros, what is 3D photography? My name is Bill Johnston, and I'm an industry veteran specializing in 3D animation and digital VFX for more than 20 years now. And I'm his brother, Sean Johnston,
2: a professional CG artist and animator in the video games industry with over 28 years of experience, and today, currently full-time animation director And we're grateful to be your host for this edition of the CG Insider podcast. By the end of today, uh, discussion today, you'll not only learn what 3D photography is, but you'll also find out how it got got from its humble beginnings to where it is today. And we'll also be telling you about some of the new ways uh, 3D photography is being used today. Also, be sure to stay until the end where we'll be sharing some of our thoughts on where this technology is headed in the future. Great question,
1: uh, Victoria. Hey, Bill, what is 3D photography? I'm glad you asked me that, Sean. Um, well, basically, in a nutshell, uh, 3D photography is a technique that uh, creates the illusion of depth in a photograph, or a series of photographs, uh, like in a movie or something, and it's it uses specialized cameras and software to capture and create uh, 3D images, and these images can be viewed on, on different kinds of displays, or headsets, or uh, you know, different types of, of mediums to basically allow the viewer to experience a more immersive and realistic images because we we see things in 3d you know in our normal we have binocular vision and and that gives us t- you know two two uh, frames of reference uh, parallaxed views if you will and and our brain processes those and and gives us depth information basically and uh, you know there's a lot of different approaches uh, when it comes to creating uh, 3d photography especially with the new technology and tools that are available today but uh, before we get too much into that um, let's go ahead and talk a little bit about uh, some of the history and, and how 3d photography got started in the first place
2: well it's been around for about 150 years uh, it goes back uh, the first first reference that i saw actually was back in 1838 sir charles wheatstone uh, discovered the principle what you're talking about of stereopsis uh, which is basically the ability of the brain to interpret in depth from two uh, slightly two different perspectives uh, provided uh, by your two eyes and so he basically did some drawings, uh, as a matter of fact, to support his idea and developed. Uh, here's a drawing of, uh, of he uh, basically invented it with what they call the Wheatstone stereoscope. And it's, uh, and he invented that basically right after so he could view that and so he can basically illustrate how people actually do see um, the principle of uh, stereo, you know, basically interpreting those two separate things to have a three-dimensional view on things. In fact, that that instrument's still being used today in radiography. So I didn't, that was kind of interesting little tidbit. Um, So, yeah, I mean, that's basically 1838. And then it kind of goes through all the different uh, iterations. Um, You know, they they had a, I believe it was at uh, the the late 19th century and 20th. It became a popular form of entertainment. Uh, We'll go into a little bit more of of the film aspect of what what it's used for uh, later. Do you have anything to add real quick?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, well, before computers and, and digital tools that we have today came along, you know, creating 3D, quote, 3D photographs, it, it was really a challenging process and, and took a lot of creativity and and a lot of pain, uh, a lot of time, um, you know, because you, you had to use a lot of different uh, techniques to kind of eke, eke out a 3D image. And uh, as you're talking about, uh, you know, the, the stereoscope, um, and that was actually view the images uh, once you actually got them, and and he created uh, Mr. Wheaton. He also created the first three D camera, which uh, was actually two cameras just stuck in one box uh, to create the two separate uh, images, and that's that. And then uh, a more updated uh, model of the viewer, uh, where you actually were looking through, you know, kind of a. A headset there kind of one of the most one of the original Looks like a uh, vr headset exactly <laughs> but you'd look through those through the le- through lenses in the front and you'd see separate images like the left lens uh was what you can only see the left image through the left lens and the right image through the right lens is, is really how that's set up
2: and you could um, actually zoom in and out of that right it actually had
1: a handle where you could move that in and out uh yeah for focusing absolutely right. and the, the same technology you know it's funny sean because when we were kids one of my favorite Uh, toys that we would get was the Viewmaster. I don't know if you remember those, but they came on these little discs and and here's a picture of them. And you'd slide these little discs that had stereoscopic images uh, baked into them. And you can see them right there. Those are those little black rings around, little black squares around the rings. And you'd slide that ring into the viewer at the top and you'd use the little slide on the side, little slider to to run through the different images. And uh, Sean, they used to have, I don't know if you remember, they had I mean that was my first exposure to dinosaurs. Oh yeah, I was just going to say
2: dinosaurs. <laughs> I remember, um, you know, just advancing and advancing and advancing. Those just almost like a film clip, um, you know, sell, you know, basically frame by frame. But uh, yeah, I wonder if they still make those. Those were I don't really, know. It was really a fantastic. Cool.
1: I loved it. It was my favorite. One of my favorite tools because it was so. I was always intrigued by the how 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 are they doing that? You know, how is it looking like 3D? How do they? It was just. Yeah. It was. It was. A miracle, kind of <laughs> in a way, yeah. It, was, it was. was pretty neat, pretty neat. I
2: love that. I love that. Yeah, um, but, do you have uh, anything else as far as the photography you want to get? Because I know that, uh, you know, not to belabor the issue, but uh, just to give credit where credit's due, um, you know, the basically uh, the uh, 1890 British 3D pioneer L. William Free Screen, he, he he basically was, and we can actually go into. Um, he actually filed the first patent for 3D motion pictures. Um, and his idea was for a stereoscope machine that runs two strips of film through, uh, at the same time, synchronized. And uh, is basically, the, that invention uh, was successful, but um, it wasn't great in the mass market because it was impractical, because of uh, the large, uh, you know, being uh, impractical for large scale theater, theater use, because it was such a, a niche thing at the
1: time. But, well, that was, uh, I, I remember it was pretty po- well you know and that stuff was based on the anaglyphs uh i think the early films which are basically uh you know images that that have that, that are that are combined with uh colored uh, filters or, or, or colored versions of, of an image as well overlaid on top of it so that uh when you would put on special glasses which which you know basically we're all probably familiar with these 3d glasses with a red lens and a cyan lens uh and that actually would filter out uh, depending on which eye you had and c- kind of create a, a depth perception in your brain and they actually use these in comic books too i mean for goodness sakes uh back when uh, in the in the 50s and 60s you mean it just yeah. wasn't just a misprint no no <laughs> and here's an example of a batman cover where you could actually see the offsets of the blues and the reds it's, it's, it's kind of hard to see in this image here's another avengers comic book cover but the, it was a, it was pretty popular uh it was I mean, it was—it had its—it was, it was a fad, you know. I mean, they were—they were—they were cool, and but it, it did kind of die out really quickly, as you said, uh, for for many reasons. Uh, one of them uh, because it was just so labor-intensive to create. I mean, for, for instance, these comic books—you'd have to create, you know, uh, several versions uh, of each image, um, you know, of each page, basically, uh, and then over, you know, it was so it was like four times the work. <laughs> to to create a a three D image than it was to cre- just create a standard color image.
2: It's funny you say that because looking at uh, Into the Spider Verse, you see a lot of that that bleeding over technique used in 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 the in the film, and it's and it's 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 indicative to you know uh, comic books uh, that we grew up with DC and Marvel mm-hmm. uh, has that same has that same look. And I wonder if it was intentional or unintentional, and if if any of it had to do with the fact that they wanted people to have those glasses on when they were looking at it. Never really thought of it that way, but uh, that's interesting. Very you know, interesting.
1: It, so. I, I, I never liked the the, the, uh, the uh, anaglyphic uh, 3D just because it it confused my brain. You know, you'd go see at it, first. I thought, oh, you know, this is really cool, but it started to kind of make me sick because I, maybe it's my brain. I, my brain wasn't able to process and combine the images properly. It just, it didn't look quite right because it, you know, the colors, it didn't really give us full color viewing. Uh, it was kind of cool, but it, it never really uh, took off. I think just because it it never mm. really reached the, the quality mark that, that I think a lot of people probably expected. Um, oh, I agree. For I agree. That. And, uh, but before we move on to movies, I just wanted to cover one more quick uh, 3D uh, technology which was uh, basically ventricul- ventricular images which is was basically a, a, a method of creating an, the illusion of 3D which you, you, here's an example Is of it kind ventricular
2: of a ridged... or lenticular? Did I say Oh, lenticular, lenticular.
1: Oh, what did I say? <laughs> Venticular Oh, like a Venn diagram? Yeah, yeah <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry Lenticular is what I meant to say Sorry about that That's But right. basically it, 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 you place one image on the left ridges and Uh, one image on the right set of ridges and as you move and your perspective changes along the ridge line you can see the image changing and here's actually here's a here's an example I have of that where uh, you know we're all used to seeing those ridged images that kind of have ridges on them and you can run your fingernail over them and and it sounds like a record uh, a vinyl record or something but um, this is a pretty good example of the different types of uh, you, know, lentic, you know, examples of lenticular uh,
2: images. Yes, and that that, that they basically uh, created that to basically eliminate the need for specialized viewing equipment. So you can have any, you don't even need any glasses or anything, and it, and it looks really really cool. Um, yeah, it's beautiful. Wow, uh, I didn't realize they're actually doing recent films and actually doing that using that uh, lenticular lens, uh, parallax, you know stuff that, that illusion of, of depth.
1: Well, they're not really using that for film, but they do use it for a lot of advertising and covers and and movie covers and DVD covers and whatever, you know, that flat 2D type of art. No, it's cool. It's a pretty cool thing. I actually have a a, a 3D camera that I bought back in 1987, 87? I remember that camera. Anyway, yeah, I think you've got an image of it, uh, actually. Um, You want me to show it? Here it is. Yeah, yeah. There it is. Nishika. Nishika was it? Nishika, that's what it was. Yeah, it required specialized film, and it had uh, four lenses in it, as you can see. And it would take, basically, uh, it would take up four frames of of the film, but have a slightly different perspective of each frame. So it, when you take one picture, it would actually take four pictures. And then when you went set the roll in for processing, they would actually create the lenticular photographs with each, you know, that had four ridges, and they put one of each image on each of the ridge lines. And so when you rotate the camera around, it's like you could look behind the person. it was It's really cool. I haven't pulled it out in many years. I wonder if it still works. How expensive was that to develop that film? Uh, you know, they had a service that did it. Uh, it, was, it was not... It was more than standard film processing, but I'll tell you what, Sean, it was cool. You could create your own lenticular photos with photo real people in them.
2: But uh, it's interesting. I mean, it's kind of... Quirky in a way too, because it's like, well, where would you, what would you view it on? Unless you had a viewer, did you have a viewer for it?
1: Oh no, no, the images would come back. Lent- uh, the, when you? The processing was they processed lenticular images. Oh, so you'd actually have a photograph in your hand and, yeah. and look at it. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Well, just,
2: like like a regular,
1: just like regular, just like regular, except they process them differently. And of course, it's much more involved the development right. of the and creation of that. But but yeah, you'd end up with a picture in your hand that you hold just like any other photo. Uh, but you wow. can move it around, and the person moves around or dances or whatever the heck they're doing you know
2: yeah, that's, that's really cool and there's also polarized projection um, and this technique uh, involved project two images on a screen simultaneously and each one was polarized in a different direction and uh, that was another technique that they used actually in film as well um, so you'd have to wear obviously the polarized glasses that filter out one image creating that 3D effect it's really strange because I had these glasses I got from when I was in um, Maui uh, with you, actually, as a matter of fact, um, some Maui gyms, and I almost have this weird feeling that they they did the lenses wrong because one of the lenses is it, it almost has that kind of weird uh, ones polarized, ones not. And I almost feel like I'm looking at the the world in in those weird you know yeah. red and <laughs> red and cyan glasses because it just if I'm looking at clouds and things, I think it's a it was a, 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 a basically a bad pair of glasses that were super expensive, but. Um, anyway i don't know why i'm I'm telling you that, but that I, anyway and then there's also the active shutter method and that that's similar to polarized projection and that that involved displaying those two images on screen again when you you're wearing electronic glasses. I think the active shutter may be what they're using on um on some of the sony televisions I believe something similar to that where you, you know you just have those things on and and it produces that high quality three d effect um but it was really weird because that that also you know required i guess require batteries i i or no, actually these didn't require batteries that i i think so they didn't sync up but it was just a gimmick I, I don't think even watching 3d on on tv was fun for me
1: well no and they had that i think the sony tvs that they had recently at least in the last decade have come out with uh you you know they sell the 3d glass you know the three quote 3d tvs and they have that polarized that polarized the polarizing technology viewing technology and and uh you know i've got four pairs of 3D viewing glasses that, pol- that are polarized. It cost me 99 bucks a piece. Uh, I got one for each member of our family. And, you know, we tried them and we watched. It just it, it dimmed out the image. The, the vibrancy is lost, Sean. On, on, on a, and that's why I, I think that this technology, generally, 3D technology really hasn't uh, hasn't caught on. Well, at least until recently. And, and, and uh, that's, all, of course, because of the digital revolution. And we'll get to that here in a second. But, um, movie, you know, movies it was kind of it was cool when they came out but uh, but quickly because i think of the quality uh it just it just was a fad and, and kind of people dropped off uh, of people's radar it just it just was not a viable product really it just didn't look that great i mean it was, yes, it was a novelty, yeah novelty I, 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 I
2: think yeah i think it, the novelty there obviously the, the 1922 the power of love was the the first feature film in 3d and that was screened at the ambassador hotel in los angeles and um, the images produced by those were that same technique where you have those two film strips project on top of one another, uh, one using red, the other uh, greens. And uh, you could use, uh, use, view those using the, the anaglyph color filter glasses that you saw. And then, of course, in the 1950s, that's basically what, what we're showing uh, here is, is the, basically the golden era of 3D movies. And, that, and, it, and it had a, a, a heyday then. Get, got really, really um, excited. People got you know around the uh, block in lines watching movie. I think Buona Devil is this. They actually had a, I never see Have you seen Buona Devil? That no, was, I haven't. Uh, the huge uh, 3D. I mean that was that heralded a, a, a back to 3D uh, with the audiences, and they actually used polarized lenses. And they it's funny because this particular movie which which launched. Was a huge craze, and that 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 plot. They actually have um, uh, a description of the movie where they have a tagline: "The Miracle of the Age, a Lion in Your Lap, a Lover in Your Arms." Um, the critics didn't like the movie, but um, they flocked to see that, and it made a ton of money. And so, um, and then of course you had a bunch of movies after that. Warner Brothers came out with The House of Wax, um, that actually has the first 3D film to come with stereo sound. And then uh, the problem the problem with this is uh, you know it, it became impractical because audiences did like you said complain of eye strain and headaches and and a lot of times the projections uh, weren't aligned correctly so you're sitting there fighting it the entire time um, so yeah it, it went through you know a heyday and then it became you know like you said a novelty went down nobody wants to watch it but I think a lot of it uh, is, is coming back today I mean you still there are 3D films that are and I think you may have some examples of some of that but I just wanted to show you, um, a lot of people think that, the, that it was uh, the red and, and cyan lenses, but it wasn't. But this is how it was shot. And this is how you had your glasses. This is what you saw on the screen, which is bizarre. Those two, two, two uh, things on the side, you know, mm-hmm. side by side. So strange.
1: Well, I remember uh, going to Disneyland, and, and I think probably one of the best best 3D uh, movies that I ever saw was Captain EO with Michael Jackson, ah, Jackson at Disneyland. Yes. It was really, really good. I mean, relatively speaking, compared to the, my experiences prior to that, um, that that Captain EO really seemed to be a, a cut above as far as quality uh, goes.
2: Oh, I agree. That's. I think that's a lot of that has to do with the seventy millimeter IMAX projectors, plus, you know, using using three D as well, right? I mean, wasn't that shot in IMAX?
1: I think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that was. Well, yeah, that was... It, well, that goes to the the the. the kind of the new technology or you know, the digital revolution where we started to get some, some digital cameras and digital projectors. And um, that really, I think started to fuel the, res- the res- recent resurgence we've seen at least since what 2000 or so. Right. Um, yeah. That's when, and, that's when uh, I,
2: I guess what was it avatar uh, was coming out around. Well, it was 2009, wasn't it? Um, but uh, yeah, twenty two thousand three. 2003, uh, ghost of the abyss when he did that under uh, Cameron did that underwater documentary for uh, the wreck of the Titanic. They did that
1: in IMAX. Um, and these so. were because they're high, high definition 3d cameras. They could actually shoot in 3d, uh, straight out. Yeah. I never
2: saw that. It looked like a pretty cool documentary. I remember seeing maybe 2d versions of it, but I thought that was really neat. And he actually went down underneath there in, in the actual diving, uh, bell or whatever it was. They went down there, uh, how scary that would be to go all the way down there.
1: That I, like I've deep, about it. Down I'd rather deep. go do. I'd do it virtually. <laughs> well, yeah, that's that's much better. Yeah, a lot safer. But you know, it's really interesting that the one of the reasons that it didn't really take off, you know, as far as quality goes, in the early days, uh, just because, like I mentioned, it was t- it was time consuming. It was really tedious to generate these things. Very costly uh, to generate three D. And and that's kind of where the digital revolution kind of has really made its its mark. I think. With, is with, the, with CGI and, and these high-def 3D cameras. I mean, it, it allowed, uh, basically, uh, automation of a lot of those tasks that, that people actually had to do, you know, frame by frame. Yes.
2: And, and uh, just to speak another thing, uh, remember I was talking about uh, uh, well, uh, some of the films in, in 2004, Polar Express, the one that we mm-hmm. talked about and many other times about the Uncanny Valley, they actually shot. They actually had that in 3D, and I believe Beowulf as well uh, was done in. in uh, I think Zemeckis did that uh, that film, and that was. I saw that actually in the theaters in, in 3D. I thought that was really. I thought that was also well done. It, it didn't bother me watching it, but I thought it was really cool. But it actually made 14 times more money, uh, you know, the 3D version than than the 2D versions. In, in the so it's it's really still popular. Um,
1: yeah. I think it's because of the uh, the technology has just gotten better. The images, imagery that you're seeing, the end product is better. Um, you know, here here's an actual picture of one of the 3D cameras uh, that they're using these days, uh, and here's a picture of uh, Steven Spielberg and James Cameron um, with their stereoscopic cameras. But yeah, it's the, the the new technology, Sean has really has really improved the quality. I think of the overall 3D images and i think with with new viewing technology as well with you've got the oculus and you've got all these other display technologies that are that are that have really made it easy to to see uh in 3d and uh, there's there's some products that are that are coming out that are, are based on that technology uh today
2: yes and there's a uh, light field photography and that that involves capturing not just the color and intensity of light but also its direction angle i think we had some we showed some things uh, earlier on that and one of our Uh, previous podcasts basically that information can be used to create 3d images that allow for um, changing the focus and perspective after the photo has already been taken so i think that kind of stuff where they're they're actually capturing the entire 3d dimensional space uh, i think is is really really going to be uh exploding in the future that's pretty cool stuff
1: yeah, they definitely. Well, it uses structured light, um, which is basically a patterned light source, and it creates, you know, from a set of LEDs or, or something, projected onto an object, and doesn't that, that creates the point clouds uh, as far as uh, the way I right. understand it. And, right. Uh, and it also tracks deformation of, of the pattern from, that you're seeing, that the light's hitting from, and so, yeah, it's it that it's that's even used today uh, for for facial recognition and, and in robot, you know, machine vision, um, and even in self-driving cars uh, technology. Um, And uh, they're they're actually experimenting with this this, uh, these light field cameras to create. uh, We haven't seen them yet, and or or rather, we've seen very scant uh, uh, you know pictures of of this. But they're using holographic displays, the new new holographic displays, uh, which we might actually be uh, featuring in a future podcast. Yeah, I was just going to talk about um, holography,
2: right? Yeah, (laughs) yeah. I thought that was we haven't even seen. I remember seeing a lot of that. uh, I think the first time I saw something that even approached that was Logan's run. Do you remember in Logan's run where they had, uh, the, the main actor, uh, York, I believe, uh, yep. was mm-hmm. in his head. Was York. There is no sanctuary. Michael York. Yeah. That or was Michael really York, cool. sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really, really neat. Really neat. Um, and then there's also tomography. Um, are you familiar with that? That's basically, Captures an image of uh, an object from multiple angles using algorithms to reconstruct the 3D model. So that's, that's commonly used in uh, imaging,
1: uh, such as CT scans and MRIs. Um, we, we even use that for, for our characters in game. We, it's, we use photogrammetry. We take different angles, and then we, we mesh all, all those images together to create a, a 3D object. Yes, 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 they do. So what's, the, <laughs> so what's the future? What's the future hold for us as far as uh, 3D photography?
2: Well, I mean, I, I think there's a lot of fun, some fun applications. I mean, for one, here's, this, is, this is a while back, but this is kind of interesting too. You can do, uh, this, this is in China, I believe, or in Taiwan or something, but they actually have um, ca- virtual camera, not virtual cameras, but cameras all the way in 360 degrees, and they're t- capturing this little boy. And then they're, they're printing out the family members. That's super, super popular. Um, and little, it looks actually really, really cute, doesn't it? This little printed 3D character, which is him. Little baby.
1: Well, they, yeah, that. they probably grabbed, grabbed, were able to clip him out and create a 3D mm-hmm. image based on what's called a, a depth map. A lot of the 3D cameras today take depth map information, which is basically a, it's called Z depth in, in computer, work, computer land. But it, it's, it's basically the objects that are closest to the camera and, and uh, appear lighter, and the objects that are darker are farthest away from the camera. And so you, they use these depth images to then uh, create you know depth of field. Uh, effects uh, on on this, and actually clip out, like you said, uh, clip out the, that kid from your image just using they just use the these these depth maps as masks against the image, and and can place them anywhere, you know, in yeah. in, in the in z in the z depth. Yes, uh,
2: and here's a here's an image that that uh, is using that technology, the depth map using Mark Twain here. You can you can go and look at older photographs, and you can do the same thing. You can run processes on those. Um, Now now with a bunch of AI powered algorithms now, they're integrating that in the 3D photography, uh, adjusting that depth, you know, lighting automatically, other aspects of the image. Um, So you're gonna see that a lot in the future. I mean, it's really, really uh, beautiful that you can do that with any of your your images now. And here's a kind of, uh, this is a really cool example from Cream Effects. Um, He actually did the whole uh, mid-journey, basically AI search for images. He did a pretty cool uh, video that's vertical here that uh, you should check out his channel. But they, he did this, generated a, an image of this female, and and then also ran a a basically a depth field. Um, I believe it was probably an action that he did or something. I don't think it's an actual plug-in yet, but uh, he actually did this uh, image of this woman and then put replaced the background and then kind of did a video uh, rotating around. And I thought that was really, really cool. All... A lot of AI, obviously, you had to do it manually, but that's pretty cool.
1: That's amazing. And, you know, that's that's really the future, I think, of, of 3D photography technology is is, is Im- implementing AI into the mix. Because you could, I mean, with all the things that's being used for today, you know, creating virtual walkthroughs of buildings or or, or projects or, or even in the medical field. I mean, when you when you throw AI into the mix, it's going to be able to, re- like you said, relight things you know, uh, to make it easier to see, it's going to be you're going to be able to manip- manipulate these images in ways that we haven't even thought of yet. So, I mean, the, yes. Th- th- yes, the uses are going to be endless, really.
2: Yeah. I mean, there's basically, you know, medicine, architecture, entertainment, of course, VR, AR. That's going to go. That's going to continue to get even better and better and better.
1: Yeah. And gaming and, and, and particularly in the areas of training and education. Uh, and I think for our soldiers and we talked about that in a, in a previous podcast as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's so many, there's a lot of uses and this is really an exciting technology to, to keep an eye on, um, for the, for the near future as well. Um, Changing fast. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'd like to thank you for being part of our podcast today. We, we had a great time answering, uh, answering Victoria's question. Uh, what is 3d photography? And we hope you enjoyed the discussion and learned something you didn't know along the way. Cause we believe it's an imperative to learn at least one new thing every week, whether you need to or not. And if you did do us a small favor and share it around with some of your friends, uh, because word of mouth is still the best kind of advertising as far as we're concerned. And please hit that like button as well because it helps YouTube find other people just like you who are interested in CGI and VFX related stuff that we talk about here on the CG Insider Podcast. Um, by the way, we do these podcasts just for you. And if you've got a subject that you'd like us to discuss on our podcast, you can let us know by shooting over to our website at thecgbros.com to the About Us tab and clicking on the Ask Us Anything dropdown, just like Victoria did.
2: And we're always looking to improve our podcast and make them more interesting and useful to you. So we need your input. Leave us a comment below. And if you do, no guarantees. uh, There's a good chance we'll read it during one of our future podcasts and mention you by name. We bring you a new cutting-edge edition of the CG Insider right here every week, where we discuss everything having to do with computer graphics, CGI animation, digital VFX, and other cool and interesting topics that we want to talk about. Uh, Oh, yeah. And you can also find our audio versions of uh, the podcast again, on all the major audio podcast platforms as well. And if you haven't checked out our YouTube channel, The CG Bros, you got to go there, check it out. What are you waiting for? It's it's your front row seat for some amazing CGI short film entertainment um, created by the most talented new media producers and VFX studios out there today. Um, You can also find some really, really cool VFX breakdowns
1: behind the scenes and making of as well. Well, it was great to see you, and we're looking forward to seeing you again here for next week's podcast. We'll be answering another great fan question. Uh, This time it's uh, how is AI being used in video editing and compositing? That's going to be a good one. Awesome. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of stuff going on in AI now, so you'll probably see more podcasts uh, in the future uh, regarding AI and how it integrates with CGI. We'll see you next time.
0: Well, that does it for today. We sure hope you've enjoyed the CG Bros answer to the question, What is 3D photography? Thanks for being with us. Did you enjoy the show? We'd love to hear from you. Click the Super Thanks button on YouTube to show your support. Your tip helps us create more high-quality content for you to enjoy. And leave a comment and thumbs up for a chance to be mentioned on a future podcast. If you're not yet following us on our channel, please hit the subscribe button. Subscribing is free. And ring the bell. For instant notifications when new episodes are posted. Share our videos with your friends on social media and follow us for all the latest news and projects. Want to listen to the audio-only version of the podcast? You can find us on all the major platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more. And here's a free bonus. If you'd like even more insider information delivered right to your inbox, become a CG Insider by subscribing to our free CG Insider monthly newsletter. Go to our website, thecgbros.com, and sign up. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, Tumblr, and Instagram. And be sure to join us for the next episode when the CG Bros will answer the question, how is AI being used in video editing and compositing? We can't wait to see you there. This has been episode 2309 of the CG Bros CG Insider Podcast. Thanks again for watching. We'll catch you next time.